Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast. I'm your host, David Perret, and I'm here with Alex Felice. How you doing, Alex? What's up? I am great and happy to be here. Yeah, this is our first recording in 2023, and we are here with Martin Perdomo. Martin is the host of the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast. He is a real estate entrepreneur, mindset strategist. He's got over 24 years of business experience, and he's a certified mindset coach and strategist. And I am stoked to have him on the show because, well, a couple of different reasons, right? Because it's not every day that you get to have somebody on the show who's got you know, 20 plus years of experience in, in any industry, but it's also always fun when we've got someone on the show who does a lot of podcasting and is used to speaking and, and confident and just, you don't really have to coach them through having a conversation, right? It just flows naturally. So that's just makes this a lot easier and a lot more fun for me and Martin, welcome aboard, buddy. Uh, happened. Thank you, man. Happy to have this conversation. Thank you, gents. Thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure to be here and just kind of kick it with you guys. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. Hey everybody, if you have not heard yet, we are doing a live in-person real estate event May 19th through the 21st in Tampa, Florida. I would love to see you there. We have 50 slots, 13 are already sold. And it's only open for War Room Mastermind members. So if you are a War Room member, make sure you head on over to the Circle community and grab your ticket right now. Secure your spot. If you are not in the War Room Mastermind and you've been thinking about it, hit me up so I can get you that Mastermind application. And you can get enrolled and get a spot because they're selling quickly. We only announced the spots two days ago. And like I said, 13 of the 50 are already gone. So I'd love to have you there. We're going to have some really cool speakers. We're going to do some happy hours, some drinks, some hangouts, some networking, some restaurants, some really cool speakers, guest speakers, keynote, whatever. And we're going to do some property tours and some uh, cold plunges and sauna action. So good times for all. Come hang out. See you in Tampa. Talk real estate. Let's talk business. Let's talk whatever you guys want to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. What you want to kick it with uh, a, the thirty thousand foot overview? The who is Martin? How do we get yeah, to today? Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, so I, I like to always preface with, with my beginnings, right? So, um, like you said, I have a podcast, Latinos and Real Estate Investing Podcast. Naturally, uh, I'm Latino background, born and raised in New York City. However, I was uh, not made here. Uh, my mom came pregnant with me here a very long time ago, 44 years old in 1978. And she came here as an immigrant. She didn't have any money. She didn't have anything. So what she did was she sent me back home to the Dominican Republic. And I always like to preface with that because um, a lot of people tend to, I host meetups and I do a lot of things speaking. And a lot of people tend to think like, well, you know, he's lucky. I'm not lucky. <laughs> I, I grew up in poverty. And when you when you think of poverty, I want you to think of if you've seen those commercials on TV, those kids in third world countries without shirt and shoes and their underwears. That was me. Literally, I have pictures of me running around in the Dominican Republic. 
like that. We didn't have any running water where I had to go a block away every morning with my grandma to go bring water back to the house so that we have water to brush our teeth, take a shower, cook. And we had to boil the water before we cooked it, right, before we drank it. And that was where I come, that's where I come from. And of course, when you're living in those conditions, especially as a kid, you're, we're all poor, we're all broke, we're all living in dirt and dirt poorness. We don't think anything of it. My mom had me come to the U.S., to New York City, where at this point she was established by the time I was five. And um, I went to school in New York City and fell in love with real estate at 16 years old. 16 years old, my mother kicked me out on my birthday. And in New York City, after being kicked out... (laughs) Actually, actually, Alex, she kicked me out nine times from the time I was 14 to the time I was 16, I counted. And on my 16th birthday, she kicked me out because she just couldn't do it, right? A single mother trying to raise a man. We're all men here, so we know what happens when you're 14 years old. You're full of testosterone. You think you know it all. You think you got it all figured out. And um, she kicked me out, and I was sleeping in trains. I slept in trains, buddies, couches, rooftops, parks, right? And I quickly realized that from that pain, I didn't want to go through that anymore, that I was going to own a lot of real estate so I don't ever have to go through that. And that's when I made the unconscious decision to buy real estate. And I bought my first property in 2007. I went into the mortgage business in 2004. I was a mortgage guy. So I was a guy giving free money to guys like you guys. Hey, you got a pulse and you're breathing? Here's 300000 right? I was that guy giving you guys money. And um, in 2007, I bought my first duplex because everyone else was doing it, because I was giving out money. Money was so easy back then. Everyone else was doing it. So I decided that I needed to buy one because holy shit, God is not making more real estate. Everyone's going to buy it and I'm not going to have any to buy. Real estate only goes up. That's only goes up. Exactly. That was my mindset. (laughs) We know how that played out. So 2007 bought this property. I was a broker. And um, by the way, we're talking crap, right? Like we are, I was just with my banker having lunch before this podcast and we're talking about interest rates and everyone's so concerned about interest rates, interest rates. Well, I was a mortgage broker in 07. And this was my first property, right? I was the mortgage guy. I was the guy giving the money, right? My interest rate was 7.75. And here we're complaining because interest rates are 6.5 and 6.4. Like, we got to stop. I bought my first house in 2000. My rate was 9.75, my primary residence. And um, so anyways, bought that property for 275000 One year later, two years later, sorry, two years later in 2009 was worth 179000 and I knew nothing about real estate investing, right? I was just doing it because everyone else was doing it, not because I knew what I was doing per se. So thing was underwater, hundred grand. I was freaking out. Property burned down. I'm going to fast forward the story to 2022. Property burned down. I had some college kids there in 2015. They burned it down. I got insurance money, sold it, got rid of it. 2022, I'm buying a, a quad up the street from my office here. Appraiser comes in here. This is September, just a few months ago. Appraiser comes in here. I'm writing him a check. I'm like, hey, Jeff, so what are you going to bring this quad in at? He goes, "Um, I don't know, but he hands me this yellow manila envelope. He goes, here's my comps. For those that are listening that don't know what comps are, those are the comparable homes in the area. Here's my comps. So I look at, I open up this folder. I look at these comps. I see a comp for $385,000. Guess what? Two doors down from that property I bought in 2007. Here we are in 2022, market is dipping, we're in a downward kind of, you know, correction, kind of stabilization in the market, you know, 
if we're in, if you're in this business, you're questioning all of your moves. If you're really in this business, any buys you're buying, you're like, shit, do I have an exit for this? Can I, can I refi this? You're questioning. So every purchase we did last year, we're questioning like every, you know, shrewd investor should. And I see this and he's, it's 385 for this duplex, two doors down from that when I bought. And there was a message in there for me. It was a reminder, actually, Alex and Dave. And the reminder was, is here was a property I bought for 275, two years later was worth 179, 100,000 underwater. 14 years later was $105,000 over what I paid for it. Had I held on to it, I would have had my mortgage paid down by half halfway through. It would have been 105,000 in equity and my tenants would have paid for that. And the reminder was don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Uh, this is a wonderful story. And actually what I think I, what I think that I've discerned most from it, because I, I love this way of thinking, right? Buy and hold and sit on it forever, never sell anything. I think there's a big divide right now, especially, um, maybe not especially, but um, definitely in our community where everybody's talking about real estate, but there are a lot of entrepreneurs who want to start businesses. That's wholesaling, flipping, um, cold calling businesses. They want to start businesses. And then there's people that want to buy assets and sit on them and wait forever. And it's all real estate, but there's definitely a divide. And I think it's really important, you know, listen to Martin's story. I, I, I would implore our listeners to say, which one are you really? Now you can obviously do both, but I do think there's a big mental shift between somebody who says, I'm going to buy no matter what through the ups and downs. And I'm just going to hold on to it forever because 2007 was the biggest real estate crash, you know, that we'll probably see in our lifetime. We'll see bigger crashes, but not in real estate. Not like that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm speculating. But even if you bought at the height of 07 and you hung out, you're, you're, you're in the good by a lot. And so, mm -hmm. you know, this idea that real estate only goes up, it's like, no, real estate doesn't only go up in the short run, have cash reserves to, to sustain through the down periods. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I will sell things, but man, I love that story because it, it encourages me to say, whatever I own now, I'm holding on forever. I never want to sell it. I just want to keep it forever and just let it go up. Yeah, that, that was, that was my encouragement, right? Cause Look, I'm a human being. We own we own a sizable portfolio, hundred plus doors, multifamily, and you know we we're trying to protect. You know that the 2023 the game for us is we got to play defense. We got to protect our wealth. We got to protect our assets. So cash reserves, making sure we're we're disciplined, and but we also got to be playing offense. And you know we got to be playing offense because there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And if we are not conscious of every move we're making, especially right now, and you're not a Bill Gates or a Warren Buffett that's just got gazillions, right? I don't. Um, you know, I got to make sure that I'm making smart decisions. And I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, yeah, just because we're, we've done well doesn't mean that doesn't that doesn't mean that I'm going to continue to do well. I have to continue to study. I got to continue to be smart. I got to be calculated about my moves. And um, every buy I buy, I have a few things on the contract now, very conservative. We're buying an 18-unit hotel, motel, that we're turning into multifamily um, here in the Poconos. And um, the numbers is just, I've thrown that thing upside down, back and forth, and the numbers just make sense. It's a really strong buy, regardless of what happens in the market. But we're being, we're being very careful. I, I'd like to talk more about this, actually, because uh, as somebody, a little bit of my backstory, not to make it about me, but I basically took 2022 off because I said, there's no way 
that I can make money. Some of the deals that I was penciling out make 1% IRR. And I'm like, I'll just go travel the world. I'll, I can make more money um, hanging out than I can by buying a risky asset at 1%. Um, but the world is changing quickly. And I think a lot of the mania certainly is clearing off. And a lot of the people that would be willing to pay 5 or 10% over now are mostly, I think, gone. And now people are starting to you know, come to the negotiating table. And so I'm curious what that looks like for you. I mean, I think, you know, specifically in commercial multifamily, we're going to see some cap rates decompress. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing them you know, already. We're seeing lend. Yeah, we're seeing that already. We're seeing retrades. We're seeing deals back out and we're seeing um, mm -hmm. sellers come to the table. So I, I'd be curious a little more details about, you know, an offer that you say, hey, I'm buying in this period of the market where I think um, it's certainly the most volatile in the next in, in the last 10 years, uh, especially for an investor like me who didn't start till 2014. It's the most unknown, the most uncertain. And, you know, how do you balance, like you said, I do want to play offense. The, the time right now for opportunity is monstrous because the people who are easily scared are running out quick and they're going to mm. give you the most opportunity. So the time to play offense is now. You don't, want to, you don't want to be surprised that there's opportunity in the market. You want to be hunting for it. At the same time, I don't want to buy something, especially if I'm raising money or, or using other investors' money. It's not even mine, right? And mine too, but especially if you're mm -hmm. using somebody else's money, I don't want to buy something that puts them at undue risk. So could you speak a little bit more about maybe specifics about how you balance that, those two out? Um, so, so, so that's a loaded question. It's, I'm always conservative. So one, one piece of advice that I, one thing I've always done, okay, after I learned, right? Because when I bought that first property in 2007, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was cash flowing. Had I known what I know today, I would have, you know, I would have never looked at that property the way I did. My perspective shifted. But one thing that is extremely important, you know, we we saw last year, I have a 57 unit where we've been working on refinancing, I'm going to say since July, and we're about to get to closing here in January, end of this month, February. And, you know, the lending, the lending world has shifted so much. LTVs have dropped. I mean, it's just kind of collapsed almost the lending world in terms of how conservative they got and how how afraid they are. So one thing that we typically do is we're very conservative. So if the lenders are their DSCR is one point two, and that's the the debt service coverage ratio for those that don't know what that is. If the DSCR is one point two, we're penciling out at one point four. If we're buying a property because we're, we're we're trying to pencil it out at one point four. Yeah, um, that's big. Now, 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 so you know, because I, I, I know your listeners or maybe you're thinking, well, how the hell do you find those deals, Martin, right? So, you know, you, you mentioned something earlier where you talked about business and holding. I do both, right? So I have my own marketing team. Those were my sales guys that I just kicked out of my office here. They were out here talking. I said, guys, go to this conference room, right? And um, I have a marketing team. I have, we, we, we spend a lot of money in marketing. We, we have a TV commercial. We do, we do a, lot of, a lot of unique stuff to get deals. And so one of the things that I do regularly is I'm in touch. My banker, I just had lunch with my lender. Literally, I have another, another lunch meeting with my lender next Tuesday because I want to know what is it that the banks know that I yet don't know that hasn't hit Main Street. I want to know what are you guys thinking? What are you guys seeing? What's coming down the pipeline? So I can plan accordingly. So I'll share, for instance, this particular deal that we have. This deal, um, we got it from a wholesaler. He put it in my Facebook group, um, Epic. Uh, my Facebook group is Elite Pennsylvania Investors Club, private group. So if you guys want to join, he put it in my group. One of my sales guys found it. We went after it. 
it's 18 units and he had it for a million dollars. I saw it. I know the, the location. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a deal. Um, I was like, that's, that's a deal. We scheduled it. We went to see it. It's an older guy, 80 years old, wants to get out. He's tired. They even negotiated seller finance, but he wanted to be first position on 700,000. He was like, give me 300. I was like, none of my lenders are going to play second position on 700,000. Right. No one's going to do that. Right. So we just, we, we, we're getting, we're getting, we're just buying them out completely. But um, when we penciled this deal, the upside is so insane that regardless of what happens in the market, Alex, we're going to win. Example, um, he's got he's got a, a one bedroom for seven. He's got seven one bedrooms for seven hundred and thirty dollars. That's a eleven hundred dollar rental without me doing anything. Um, that that's what it should be market. Me going in there within three months, we're going to pump up the income by about sixty percent. Right, we're going to take it from ten thousand to sixteen thousand. Now, you know how this works. You know how this game works. What's the cap rate? What's the, what's the value added? What are the camp charges? What am I rubbing? What am I rubbing on uh, onto the residents? And my bottom line goes up for you know for every couple thousand I add to my bottom line, you divide that by 0. 0.07. That's how much value I'm adding. I'm basically doubling the asset value. So what do I care if the market takes a ten percent dip on that property? That's a for sure bet. Right, that's a for sure bet. Well, let me ask you one more question. Just be specific. Um, you have investors on this deal that you have to pay out, or is this just you and your? I'm, no. I'm, I'm doing. I don't need. I don't need them. This, this makes a big difference for especially a guy like me, right? Whereas I'm competing, and it's like I have to bring in investors, and I have to be able to pay them out an eight percent pref, um, and then I have to cash them out in five years. And so, um, it really. What I love is I think um, I think I'm probably those kind of deals are in the minority of our group. Whereas I think people who are doing solo deals, I think the opportunity is monstrous right now because the smaller the deal, right, um, the faster that they're going to move with the market shifts, right? Somebody can unload a million dollar unit. Somebody can unload a $200,000 unit. It's harder to unload a $6 million or $10 million um, property. And so if you can go in there and you're like, I'm going to buy this property underpriced. I'm going to get um, some sort of fixed rate, I assume, for some, some hopefully mm -hmm. 10 years, I hope, right? I'm going to get a fixed rate debt, mm -hmm. if not longer. And you're just basically, I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna increase the cash flow, and I'm just gonna sit on it, and it's basically set it and forget it. That's your plan. That's a plan on this one. So I also syndicate. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I, yeah, on this particular one. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We're looking at deals in Atlanta right now. We're underwriting deals in, in different parts of the state. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Luckily enough, on this particular one, I can take this one down by myself, and I don't need investors. I think there's a lot of opportunity other right now. I think the syndication is going to take a little bit longer. Absolutely. The other thing that I like about this is, is Martin, you mentioned this one's a hotel, right? Right now. This one is a, yes, a motel. So there's some nuances yeah. to that. So I like that because what probably happened is that deal probably got slapped in the Facebook group and a whole bunch of people were like, eh, I don't do anything with motels. And you were like, hmm, there's a lot of opportunity here. I wonder, right? And you're absolutely right. So we bought something that was... You know, I, I own an actual hotel that we operate as a hotel with seven employees, but I also own something that has 14 long-term and, or yeah, 14 long-term and nine, when we bought it, it had nine that were operated as a motel in one unit. And we had to, it took a year to convince the city to rezone those nine as long-term. Uh, but 
now it is and it cash flows much better that way. And so the rezone the process is better not too. Always, yeah. You got better cap yeah, rate. It's a much better property. Let me ask you a question, um, because that's one of the things that we're we're kind of I'm kind of studying right now, talking to zoning officers. How was that process for you? How did they treat you when it came to the EDUs and um, you know parking? Because I know some of the things is hey, you know, I talked to the zoning officer and and he was like, well, you know, you parking is an issue, and I'm like, it's on three acres, it's a hotel right now, there's plenty of room. What are you talking about? And it just didn't make sense to me. So I'm just curious, you know, I know they like want one and a half parking now for long term. It's one of the things for my city. What was that like for you? And what did what did they, you know, how many hoops did they make you jump through that to change it, change the zoning to long term? Yes, yeah, so ours is actually a weird situation. When we bought it, the entire 23 units was long term. We bought it. And the day we took over, the week we took over, they were like, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, the previous owner was operating those nine illegally. They were zoned as a motel and we didn't catch it so nice. you need to convert them back <laughs> ev evict everybody and so we did we played ball and basically what we did after like nine months as we went back to the city and we were like we need to talk to the city council and we did and we basically got the police chief to show up with us and we brought basically the crime report and we were like here's how much you guys used to call the city police and here's how much you do now here's how much trouble there was here's how much there is now here's what the current income is and here's what it was previous year and, and basically we were able to articulate like previous you know the year prior as a long-term rental you had no crime now you have all this crime the year prior it brought in this much revenue now it doesn't so like essentially we were able to show that like crime rate went up current asset value has been deflated and wouldn't even appraise for you know we painted the picture and they played ball, but, but they were, we did have to play with new parking issues uh, because you're right. For whatever reason, they assume that when you stay in a hotel, you bring one car. When you live in a long term, you bring one and a half cars on average. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there is additional parking requirements. We also had to add uh, stovetops to every unit and there was, one or two other things we had to add to every unit in order to convert it that we had to get approved. And we had to make a, uh, some uh, handicap uh, addition, additional changes that were brought up to code. And there was something else. It was like a three month process to get everything brought up to code. But now that we've got everything rented, it cash flows probably an extra $2,000 a month. So nice, definitely worth it. Yeah, nice, nice. Alex, I got a question for you, sir. Um, you basically took a year off and you traveled. How is it coming back into real estate in the mayhem that we're kind of kind of in now with interest rates and the instability in the lending market and prices in the single family space and cap rates decompressing? How's that feeling for you? Yeah. What's your experience there? Uh, so far, well, it's, I'll say this for anybody who does want to take time off, getting momentum back is difficult. Um, you know, success seems to be very much a momentum machine. And so when you do lose, when you stop your momentum, um, it is, it is hard to just pick it up and, and get back to the groove. Um, and I took some time off to travel to, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a camera guy, videographer on the side, and that's becoming a bigger, bigger part of my life. So, um, I, I'm, how do I say it? I'm coming back into real estate, but I'm trying to blend those two. So, um, where am I going with this? Sort of like, 
Directly for real estate, I'm a contrarian deeply and thoroughly. Just by pure personality, can't help it, wouldn't want to if I could. When people are excited about the market in 2020, 2021, 2022, and I saw, you know, I remember what it was like in 2012. And I said, hey, I'm going to buy 20 rental properties. I'm going to retire. And my friends told me that I was effing crazy. And then in 2020, the same people were like, how can I get into real estate? And I'm like, bro, you missed it. It's done. It's over. And so I watched it go from scarcity to pure mania, right? Where people are like, real estate only goes up. And so for me now, watching the market correct a little bit, it encourages me. It does not deter me because I know that, uh, as Sun Tzu says, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. And so in the blood, the, for, the forthcoming, my prediction is the forthcoming bloodbath, um, that's when I'm going to make all my money. I don't make my money in up markets. Everything that I already own goes up in up markets, but I don't want to buy in the up market. I want to buy when everybody else is running away, uh, afraid of, afraid of, just afraid of the future. Alex, did you not see the Facebook comment that I tagged you in the other day? The bottom of the real estate market already happened. We're going back up. Yeah, I. So I, I, I don't, I don't claim to predict um, where the top or the bottom is. I sort of go by, you know, general market or how do I say it? General like uh, sentiment of the people that I come across and the and the news media. When the news media is really excited and things like. Real estate agent is the number one um, growth job, job in American culture, right? If that's the number one job, then it's like I'm running for the hills, right? Mm -hmm. When people start doing the um, – if you buy real estate, then you're effing crazy. That's when I want to buy. And so me coming well, in now – and we, we talked about it a bit ago about being – Mortgage companies started slashing all their employees. Yeah, right. I love it. Right. When the job losses start coming up, when the, in, as the unemployment rate goes up, I start, I'll start getting more excited. The interest rates don't scare me because um, we're at five and a half percent, six percent, depending on what you're buying. This is low. This is hilariously low. It does not scare me at all. Now, the problem is a lot of assets because of the mania, they are priced at four caps and five caps when they should be seven and eight. So you can't make a spread, mm -hmm. but that will decompress as the market corrects. So I am coming back into real estate and I am trying to get my momentum back and I am going to do it. Um, I'm going to do it slowly and strategically because the opportunity, I do not believe the big opportunity, there is opportunity, but I do not, the big opportunity, the big swath of opportunity has hit us yet. Personally, mm -hmm. I totally could be wrong, but I think it is forthcoming. I think the time to start for me, I'm sharpening my ax. I'm building the relationships. I'm finding out, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sniff the blood in the water. So when the guy who, yeah, he's telling you how good he's doing on Facebook, but in the back scenes, he's running, his P&Ls are running red. That's the guy, right? When his 24-month bridge loan is up and he can't refi, and he's like, I have to dump this thing. That's when I'm like, I'm here to solve your problems, friend. And I think on bigger assets, because that's what I'm focused on, right? Um, probably eight to $20 million assets in North Carolina. Those are going to take a little bit longer because the bigger the asset, um, the more illiquid it is, and the slower the economic changes hit. The more liquid that something is, the faster the economic changes hit. Bitcoin is a perfect example. Stock market mm -hmm. came next, right? Unemployment will come afterwards, and then real estate will come last. And I do not, personally, I do not believe that we have seen, um, you know, you said something in the very, very beginning of your, um, of the show, 
you know, that basically to me summed up that um, you grew up with a very painful situation and pain was an extraordinarily good teacher and motivator for you. Yes, sir. It was. And I believe that um, pain is the best motivator of all. And we haven't really seen that pain yet. And so once the pain comes, people will be motivated to sell more. And that's kind of where I'm like, I'm getting ready, but I'm not, um, I'm not that excited yet, but I'm getting, I'm getting a little tingly. <laughs> Dave, what do you see for, yeah. for 23? You see the market going down some, you see it going down to where you think we've hit our bottom yet or what? Well, uh, first I, I want to, Alex mentioned what you said at the beginning and I kind of missed a chance to reference something there because Alex got into some good topics there at the beginning, but uh, you said something at the beginning that I resonate with very deeply and personally uh, that I experienced about a month ago uh, about boiling water in the Dominican, because we went to mm -hmm. Guatemala a month ago and mm -hmm. somebody drank the water <laughs> oh boy. on accident. And Alex got to witness the fetal position of Dave on travel day home. Mm. And it was probably the most miserable day of my existence for the last five or 10 years. And uh, so, yeah, I can, I can appreciate uh, in, in real time, just, I mean, it, it, I am more grateful than I have been in a long time for water purification systems. And let me tell so you, you, brother, not, you, not even when, the locals drink it straight from the, from the thing. <laughs> It was, alone, it was not alone us. <laughs> I did not know that I had drink. If anybody water. wants video, private video of David um, yakking his life out on the side of a Guatemalan mountain, <laughs> DM me. <laughs> yeah. Alex has um, a photo of me just like sleeping on the floor of the air, middle of the Guatemalan airport. Ah, uh, like yikes. On the yeah, he's having some. David, but. But I am I am curious what Martin asked you about the the prediction of the 2023 market. I'm curious. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, there. no, I was yeah. I was digging in there. I you know I, I go back and forth, right? So the the interesting thing is, it kind of my story really hasn't changed a lot over the last two or three years. Is that I really do believe it's going to be market specific in a lot of ways. So I see because the the thing is like rates, it's it's all it's it's. It's almost like a waterfall effect, right? So mm -hmm. the rates took a very quick hit on like San Diego, Orange County, LA, New York, Seattle, like these expensive markets, right? Because a three to seven percent jump or three to six percent jump took if someone who was pre-approved for one point two percent or one point two million dollars all of a sudden is only pre-approved for seven hundred thousand dollars. Whereas the same rate hike in my market where the average home price, the median home price, I think is like 240, you know, which is still like half of the national average. Uh, you know, that same rate hike might drop you from 240 to 210, 220. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really take much of a hit on the market. And so in Springfield, it, sure, houses are staying on the market a little bit longer. But I mean, I just listed a flip on Monday and was under contract by Thursday. Dude. And so who's your realtor, man? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. I have well, two and, flips and on the market. Dude, that's I'm so this is so encouraging to hear you say that. I have I have two flips on the market. I put the 
I put the day after, um, the Monday after Thanksgiving, and we've had maybe four showings, and we're in the first week in January, and buyers seem to start coming back. But we saw demand fall off a cliff. I was reading, I recorded a podcast just this week showing that Showtime, right, the showing that the MLS uses, the software that the MLS uses. I don't know if you guys saw this, but it showed that um, there was 60, six zero less showings year to date through December than last year. Um, just, I, I'm, that excites me that you're, that, that you're, you got that kind of action. I mean, I'm, we're not seeing, and I'm talking about properties, by the way, these are not four or five, six hundred thousand dollar houses. These are $214,000 homes, another one for 220,000 flips. And um, we're only 65 miles west of New York city. So we got a, and it's a, the Poconos high for Airbnb and getaway for the weekend, hmm. and um, the buyers, man, they're just and these are these are these are turnkey, right? You know, flips just like yours. Yeah. These are turnkeys, and we didn't see that. So good. I'm so uh, that excites me to hear that um, you're getting that kind of action out there where you are. It should be encouraging, yes, encouraging for everybody because if Dave can do it, let me say something. Dave's real bad at real estate. Okay? <laughs> if Dave can do it, then you, everybody's in good shape. You guys are lots of hope. Hey, I've got I've got two under contract right now, and a third one that's about to hit the market. But I, I so so I guess my answer, Martin, is that you know I have no idea what the future holds, but I think it's going to be fairly market specific, right? I'm in a market where you can still find six, seven caps, and you can still buy. 1% deals. Um, and, and you can still buy a, a property that at least somewhat makes sense. And so I think that, you know, people are still moving here. And so I don't, I'm not super worried. I mean, even in 08, I think we took a 10 or 15% hit. And so I'm not super worried about what's going to happen in my little bubble, but in markets that go up much quicker, you know, I would be a little bit more cautious about how much harder they're going to potentially come down on the appreciation swing. They also don't, you know, they also potentially cashed out much higher. You know, it's, it's, it's a game, right? It's just the way it swings. We don't see nearly the appreciation swing, but the risk hedge is not as rough. We cash flow a little bit better potentially, but we don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a yin and yang thing. So I think it really kind of depends on your, your strategy and your market, but it's going to be, you know, no, I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as what people think though, because you know, you were, you were talking about being in the lending industry, right? Most people are on low interest fixed rate debt for primary residence mortgages that are assumable loans. So they're not, I don't think the primary residence mortgage is going to crash. Like the, the primary, you know, that side of the world's not going to crash. People aren't going to be forced to move. Unless unemployment, really... uh, unless unemployment hits the roof, right? Because it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if I have a zero percent interest rate. If unemployment, if people lose their jobs and they have no income, they can't even pay at zero percent. So that's the, the like Alex. Yeah, like Alex said earlier. If um, when unemployment starts to, I think that's going to be what's going to break the camel's back. If you know, a lot of economists are projecting that for this year, right? Hey, you know, the tech sector took a major kick in the ass last year, 22. And um, yet, you know, employment seems to be strong everywhere else. In all other sectors, employment seems to be strong. If that, if employment starts to get kicked in the butt, in the rear end um, here, 
in, in other sectors, you know, I think I think that could change, Dave. And, right? and David, in David's defense, um, unemployment has the exact same function of uh, regionality um, that real estate does. So you can say, you know, tech lost a lot of jobs, but those are well, they have a lot of remote jobs, but they also very centralized. So for one region, and so job losses will also be regional. So maybe the jobs that are in David's market are more resilient types. And, and I don't know, but that that's going to be and, the, um, and those tech jobs are also in expensive markets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Well, and San so, Diego, yeah, you have, you have no, a, that's oh, why th- those LA places got hit California. Sorry, Alex. Yeah. We're all, no, no, we're no. all like rates truckers and, and rates go up, inflation and... goes up and unemployment goes up. And I'm like, you are, that's a, re- that's a nasty recipe. And in many ways, Right. It looks like in, in 07, we had this very unique sort of collapse because we had this this, you know, debt back end debt on the Fannie Mae side. And so my worry is that people are always looking for that. They're always looking for the the um, the same crash as last time. And, and this time it'll just be different. So I think the I think the big unknown is the inflation risk, because wait, wait, yes, wait, wait, wait. can we can we. Can you can you say that line again? I know I, I just want to hear you say that line one more time. Wait, but this I say? time it's what? Oh, <laughs> um, just, just once, for the last, once more for the camera. This time it's it's everybody. <laughs> David's making fun of me. Everybody's looking for the last crash. Um, <laughs> this time is different. Um, uh, you're Thank a jerk. you. You're a jerk. <laughs> Alex is always <laughs> talking smack about people in a different context using the same phrase. So I'm just being a smart ass. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that. That was a good that was a good one. That was one of your better burns on me. Um, but we didn't have the inflation problem last time, so it's gonna be an unknown risk. And I I don't really know. I know that we pumped we printed money and we had subsidized interest rates for about 14 years. It was only in the headlines because it was egregious the last two, but it happened for about 14 years. And we're going to pay the price for that inflation or pay the price for that in the form of inflation. And I don't know how long it's going to go. And I, I'm apprehensive to think it's just like, oh, we had a hard year of inflation and it'll go back to normal. I think there's going to be, a, I think this is going to continue on for a while. And so even the people who have fixed rates, mortgages and lots of equity, if they lose their job and then the price of goods goes up and they start getting squeezed, their savings gets run out. It could be, there is risk on the horizon. Um, And so I I don't really want to be a cynic. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't like to have my crystal ball, but I do like to play the, um, be aware of the risks, the possible risks. It's not always roses. So that's kind of where I I want to. I want to ask you both a question. I want to pose this idea, right? Because we're talking about inflation. We're talking about interest rates. We're talking about, now we threw in the mix, unemployment. We see the market um, taking a dip. Markets like Austin is down 19% Austin, Texas, which is insane. Um, let me let me pose this. Let me take you guys to the future. Let's say now, 2023, we start seeing unemployment start, starts to skyrocket, right? That also poses a major risk for us as investors. While there is the upside of opportunity, right? Because there's going to be opportunity for us to take advantage of, however, what should investors like us be doing to hedge ourselves against the bet of the house losing when unemployment goes down up oh, i'm sorry and our residents can't you know cuz if you can't pay your mortgage and you're it's no different right you still can't pay your rent if you lose your job 
how do we hedge our bets to protect ourselves against that? Because, you know, just because we we tend to think, I know, you know, me being one of them, and I think I hear I hear you guys kind of being part of that camp. Hey, we want to buy and hold stuff and for cash flow, right? And and I do, I'm like Dave, I do, I flip as well. And um, I like it, it's fun. I'm not going to be doing that many this year. We're, we're kind of, we showing some constraints this year around that. But, you know, we're not immune. That's the truth of the matter, is that we're, even as, even if we have the bigger assets, we're, we're a little bit less risk adverse because economies of scale. But what should we be doing, right? How, what advice would we, could we give to an investor out there, a small mom and pop guy that maybe has four or five or 10 units and um, is concerned about this? Is this a legit concern, man? Unemployment goes up. Our residents lose their job. Yeah, technically people figure out a way to pay their rent first, eat and pay their rent, right? Shelter and food is two human needs, you know, important human needs. What are your thoughts on that? Because there's a there's a good thing to it. Employment unemployment goes up. We can go pounce. We go buy assets, and we great opportunity. But also, we also holding assets. First off, All I right. just want to say, Martin's a you are a good podcaster. He comes on our podcast and interviews <laughs> us. What a, he's a fantastic. You're a fantastic Dude, I, podcaster. I want to I want to learn from you guys. I'm having fun. I want to learn from you guys. I want to get your perspective, man. That's what podcasting is all about. Yeah, I mean, my my first thought, my my first gut instinct is, well, it depends on how politically I want to word this, but I'm going to go with the the less politically worded way of saying landlord friendly states, mm-hmm. and you can paint that you can paint that answer as red as you want to. <laughs> I I didn't think about that, but that's a good that is a good point. But I invest in North Carolina, so I don't. I don't ever think about that. Um, I think the big lesson that I learned from studying 2008 was buy for cash flow day one. And that's a lesson that a lot of investors have forgotten over the last few years. And I think some of them will pay the price for that. Buy for cash flow day one and have ample reserves. Like cash and cash flow will save you. Cash flow may come down as you're alluding to if somebody loses their job and the rents have to come down. In my area, when I bought my houses in 2014, average rents were like $750. If you look at the time scales from before that in 2000, and, um, I bought in 2014. If you look at 2007, 2006, the average rents were $1,000. So they came down 30%. Now that's averages. Mm. That's not per property. So it may, may or may not be apples to oranges, uh, apples to apples. It might not be good data, but the idea that rents can't come down by 20%, maybe 30%, the idea that that can't happen is... Um, is simply not true. And, and every investor should consider it. So what can you, how can you weather the storm? The, the investors that have the cash reserves to weather the storm, the, the investors that I worry about are the ones that pulled out all the cash and refinance at every single turn and max out these properties to buy more properties at the top that barely cash flow, right? I do worry about them, the ones that, that really like went heavy in the leverage because it's, you know, quote, free money. Um, you know, cash flow, I think is still king. And that's, I, I don't have a problem with that. So I, that's what I've been focused on for the last um, eight years. So I feel very good, but cash flow and cash reserves will save you. And reserves and reserves. You know, I, I was just like I mentioned to you guys, I was just having lunch with my lender, my bridge lender. And we were talking about that. There's a property, a little duplex I bought four years ago. And I was sharing, my sales guys were with me and my lender was, was it's a bunch of us, and I'm saying, man, 
um, you know, and I'm asking him, hey, what's happening in the market? What are you seeing? What are you, how are you guys underwriting? What, you know, they're like, we, we, we're not concerned. They're already seen, they're already seen the capital market stabilize, the interest rates stabilize for DSER loans. And he's like, well, I think we're going to st stay around eight, seven, eight and a half um, for the rest of the year. We're going to see the Fed's already clearly said they're going to slow down on the increases, the major, major increases. They're going to start bringing it, bringing it down a notch to a quarter. But um, I was sitting there with my guys and I'm saying, hey, listen, I bought this. I, there was this one little property because I was doing exactly what you just said yesterday, Alex. Exactly what you just said, tightening the belt, looking at my numbers like you got to know your numbers if you're in business. And um, so I, I was, I got on a call with my property manager and I was like, Hey, um, I forget. I got, you know, some, you got so many properties. You guys know, you forget how much, who's paying you for what. And so I had to call her and I was like, Hey, what are we getting for this one? What are we getting for this one? And I'm tightening up my, I'm tightening up my Excel sheet. And, um, and it was yesterday I realized, I was like, shit, you know, when I bought that little duplex, I couldn't get more than $750 a month for like that was pushing i had to remodel it make it nice right and today three and a half years later or so i'm getting eleven hundred dollars for the same duplex yet yeah, did people get a 30 percent increase in 40 in four years in, in her in their income i don't think so so this is the beauty of of real estate right buying and 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 watching numbers and making sure that you're you're, you're running a tight ship and and keeping up with what's happening in the market Yet my debt structure hasn't changed on that, right? My 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 cost of my debt, my taxes haven't gone up much. Actually, my insurance went down. I went and renegotiated. I, uh, my assistant goes and checks my insurance every year, and we we shop them every year to make sure we get the best rates. And um, it's like we we're doing pretty good, and that's what I love about real estate, right? Um, is that that ability to just continue to create wealth over time, man? That's what excites me about this thing. It's just, it's the long game, playing in the long game, and regardless of what's happening today, what I know, the great book says um, somewhere in the great book says this too shall pass, right? So whatever we're going through, this too shall pass, man. Like I said, two thousand eight when I was a hundred thousand underwater, and I was stressed because I, I didn't have the money muscle. I didn't understand business. I didn't really understand money the way I do today. I didn't understand real estate. And had I had that long vision under really understanding um, real estate, understanding business, I would have just been like, who cares? I'm cash flowing. Who cares? Is that just a number on a spreadsheet? Right? Well, one and thing um, that I, one of the things I love about real estate. No, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. I was done. One thing that helps me really to deal with these crashes because um, there it's exciting times and every single person is talking about it and they're predicting and and they're trying to figure out what's going on and and but what happens with these conversations um, and I you know I'm talking to the listeners right they're like we want to know what's going to happen so we can make moves but the reality is you know every period is involved is, is has some volatility right in 2017 a lot of people are like now it's going to crash now right don't buy now and then I made all my money since then so there's always going to be these conflicting opinions about what's going to happen, right? I, I'm always going to be like a, a, the sky is falling. It's just my personality. And other people are going to be like, I'm always buying because I don't care. And, and it'll sort of work out um, in the long run. But what I really want to emphasize is instead of worrying about what's going to happen the next crash, right? Think about you're going to go through seven or eight more crashes in your life. This next one is just one of many. And so the idea is how do you create a system of investing, a mindset 
and like a, a life philosophy to do both of them together. How do I live and invest in a way that deals with all crashes, no matter how they look? Because as much as David likes to bust my chops earlier about like this time is different, this time is different at the surface, but every crash has universal themes. Actually, the, the things that always that, that crash markets are almost exclusively debt and inflation, by the way. Uh, mm. <laughs> those, those are the risks. Um, and so instead of, um, it is really, really important and, and wise to think about this market and this upcoming year and how to adapt, but also how can you take those lessons that you learn and say, how can I apply this to forever? Because I don't want to have to worry about this every time and have the anxiety every eight to 10 years about what am I going to do this crash? What's it going to be? It's like, doesn't matter. I buy for cash flow day one. I have ample reserves. When the rents go up, I take the bigger increases. I stockpile away cash. I buy good deals, right? I dollar cost average deals. Sometimes I buy in 2022. Sometimes I buy in 2014, right? And so I think that sort of mentality, now that's probably not going to make me a billionaire, but I think the majority of people aren't out to be billionaires. They're about to, they're out to create a reasonable amount of wealth and everybody can create a reasonable amount of wealth if you have a, a reasonably um, well thought out philosophy that is time tested. Yeah, I, it, it goes to, you know, like like uh, Dave mentioned earlier in my my intro, and in, when I'm coaching people, I'm a certified hypnotherapist. It's about the focus, right? It's about it's about you focusing and having clarity on what you want. Once you know what you want, once you know where you're going, you can get there, right? And once you commit to knowing, hey, this is where I want, this is what I want. And it doesn't matter to me how long it takes me. I'll share this with you guys, right? When I first decided to reach financial freedom, it's a decision I make, right? You first decide, um, then you commit to it, and then you take massive action. But once you decide and commit and the massive action, but you really commit, like, I'm committed. I don't care how long it takes. I'm committed. I'm doing it. I created this, um, I created this board in my office. And my number was $7,500. That's what I needed. That's what my family needed to, to um, get to financial freedom. And I wrote $7,500. And I just started Craigslist ads, wholesalers, meetups. I did everything guys like you would tell me to do. So I would listen to your podcast, right? And you'd say, you got to attend meetups. You got to call five real estate people. I just do it. Just take action. I would just take action, take action, take action. And I had this number, 7,500, and bought a duplex, and I bought another one. And that one net me 400. That one net me 500. That one net me 300. And I just chip away. And I didn't care how long it took me. I didn't care. I was focused on what I wanted. I share that with, with your listeners because that's what we should be doing through any market is what you first need to know. What is it that you want? Because you see... My goals and my strategies, your goals and your strategies, Alex and Dave's goals and Dave's strategies, we're all going to have different strategies, different goals, different things that we need to get to that we want to accomplish, different ways. Maybe that's 7,500. You look at that and you say, that's a joke, man. I can't live on that. I can't even make my car payments with that, right? But that's what I needed, right? And, 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 and people need to focus exactly on what it is that they want. And regardless of what's happening in the market, that's... That's none of my business is usually the way I say, here's my buying, here's my goals, here's my buying criteria. This is what I gotta, this is what I buy in, this is the box. And let the world know this is your buy-in and this let the world know this is what you're looking for. And all of a sudden, you'll be surprised you start letting people know this is what you're looking for. 
is you're activating your ROS, your reticular activating system, right? In your brain, that, that, that thing that, that starts to show up and shows you opportunities when you start seeking. The great book also says, if you seek, you shall find. Same thing. You just start seeking. You start focusing. All of a sudden, these things just start showing up. So regardless of the market, my thing is, what's your goal? What's your outcome? What's the outcome you're looking for? And forget about what the external factors are doing. What is it that you want to do? What is it that I want to do? What's my constraints? What's my buy box? And let me just focus on that. Is it going to take more calls? Yes. Is it going to take more me seeing more properties? Yes. Is it? Some people may say I'm crazy. I said 1.4 or 1.4 DSCR. Yeah, you guys were like, whoa. Yeah, that's conservative, right? I'm finding them because I've activated my Raj, right? And I'm very specific and I'm letting the world know and, I, and I'm constantly out there. We bought a property last year, gents. I don't say this to impress you, but to impress upon you the, the power of this stuff. We bought a property at close. We got it. We bought it for three million, and when it appraised as it was, it was four point five. The seller had no idea, but because yeah, great buy for us, outstanding buy for us. The seller had no idea because he he just didn't know how to run the numbers, and they had that free. I, I got to say, we got lucky, and in a way, we got lucky, and. We were also focused on that. So we found it. We found it because we were looking for it. Right? Dude. So it's just staying staying with what you what you want. Yeah. The harder you work, the luckier you get. That kind of thing. Think and grow rich, those kind of ideas. Hey, um something like that. I'm scared of you people. They're <laughs> hypnotherapists. I got I got hypnotized on this podcast by one some guest that David brought on this show. And I got really? hypnotized on this podcast. Yeah, it was the craziest thing I've ever had in my life. Caught me completely off guard. Everybody go back and listen to that episode with uh, Jason Drees. Hip, hypnotize I'll make, me. I'll make, sure I, I'll make sure I check it out. Yeah, it was the craziest thing. I was like, what it, the heck just happened to me? It, was, it, it worked so. It was, it was so weird. And I don't think he and knows. now you've got a job there. lined up. Yeah, now I think, yeah. I think I might got a, a job lined up because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, people ask me, hey, you know, people get scared of that. Like you say, oh, I'm scared of people. Well, you know, what, what is hypnosis, right? Hypnosis is, hey, best way I can explain it is you got to be in rapport. Number one is that if I tell you, close your eyes, right, and take off your shirt and go run around the street five times, you're going to open your eyes and say, get the fuck out of here. Mark, I'm not doing that, right? Like, you're going to like, get the hell out of here. You have to, you have to be in deep rapport and your unconscious mind. You have to trust me. We have to have trust before. Now, you know, there's some skills and some things when you see those stage hypnotherapists. There's, there's some things that are done there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, not, it's not a lot what, of what people think it is. It's not as creepy yeah, as, as, a, as what people think it is. As somebody who is, um, again, I said earlier in the show I'm deeply rebellious, but I'm also, like, deeply skeptical. Um, I say this in complete jest. It actually, it actually, it actually helped me out. It really did help me out. It was awesome. unprompted and um, sort of impromptu and uh, probably not as effective as it could be because it was literally like, you know, a fluke on a podcast and I'd never done it before. And I, it's almost, to me, it's a little bit scared to admit because I'm like, man, somebody was tinkering around in my brain without my consent in some ways. But um, I'll tell you what, I would, I would sign up for that. Anybody else who's on the fence or curious or whatever, like that's good stuff. If you get the right person, I assume, right? You get some good, somebody you can trust. Yeah. And, and somebody you have good rapport with, like in the right mm -hmm. setting, dude, that's good stuff because it got me out of my way in some ways. It's really powerful, man. I went to a, I went to an event, uh, the mini, the Millionaire Mind Intensive. I, have you guys ever heard of T. Harv Eckert? Uh, what's the name of the book? Uh, the the Millionaire Millionaire Mind something. I think is what Harv wrote. Are you guys familiar? I've been you wanting familiar to go with? to. 
Yeah, I've been wanting to go to one of his in-person events for like two years, but he hasn't yeah. done it in person since nah, the dude, pandemic he, started. So, so Success Resources, so he sold his his whole thing to Success Resources. They went out, Success Resources went out of business in, uh, with the pandemic. So that's why you haven't seen it. Um, they're out. So they're in the Philippines and Asia, in Asia now. But I went to an event, which is that one, Millionaire Mind Intensive, and T. Harv, one of the instructors, I know one of the instructors that teaches for, for Harv, and him and Harv are having discussions now. So I hear, don't know this for sure. So if Harv, you're here, if you're listening to me, um, I hope you bring it back because I do want to do it again. Um, T. Harv is talking about since he sold it to Success Resources, Success Resources went out, he's going to take it over again is what I'm here. They're working on something like that to do, to bring it back. And in this event, um, there was a, there was a breakthrough. They do this thing that's uh, for like a breakthrough and, and it's you break an arrow with your neck, a literal arrow with your neck. And, you know, I do stuff like that. And, you know, in order to do something like that, in order to walk on fire. So have you any, any of you been to a Tony Robbins event? So Tony Robbins has you walk on fire at UPW. I've done that three times. Any of you jumped out? You probably have, Dave, military guy, jumped out of a plane. Right. So you've jumped out of a plane. So, so that's one. I have of, done it recreationally. Alex did it in the military. So you did Alex it in the military, it, Alex. Okay. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah I did it plane, recreationally as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that army knows how to take all the fun out of it. So, 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 you know, here's the thing, right, Alex, when, when you did that and, 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 and Dave, when you did that and, and I did it like, so first of all, 1% of the total population ever gets to do that. The whole world. But only So we're in that 1% club. When you do that, we're sending a message to our brain, to our mind. Shit, when you're up there, it's scary. Like, hey, you probably did it professionally, Alex, and they probably took the fun out of it for you. And I don't know if the fear was still there, if the fear is still the same when you're up there and you're doing it in the military with your brothers and stuff like that. But when you're doing it recreationally, man, it's scary, right? You're like, shit, I'm really doing this? And, and you just go. What does that, what is that, what message does that send to your unconscious mind? That Well, the message is, well, no wonder we're all successful real estate investors, right? If I can jump out of a plane, right, and survive and go through that fear, what the fuck is flipping a house? Just just sticks and stones. What the heck is taking a two, three million dollar loan and doing that deal, right? All that kind of stuff is kind of mindset training, is a mindset uh, training ground to make our mind stronger. And it, those things make, our, make us better business people. Those things, those things make us stronger risk takers, right? Because if you walk on fire, you break an arrow with your, with your neck, you jump out of a plane, you do those things, and uh, you, you just come out stronger. So, so when I did this thing with T. Harv, Eck, uh, T. Harv Eckert's um, event at the Millionaire Mind Intensive, and I broke, it's symbolic, right? You break, uh, someone puts an arrow literally on your neck right here, and they push it against you until it breaks, Either goes through your neck or the, the thing breaks. But what happens is you write, you write there, what's the thing you're trying to break through that you're stuck on? And then you do this exercise. And then this thing breaks on your neck and you beat it, right? The message to your brain is, shit, it didn't go through me. I beat it. And I, I put this thing on my vision board. So I've had it for years. And I put it on my vision board with a clip with what I wrote. And just this morning, I was looking at it, and I was like, or last night when I told you I was looking at the numbers when I got home, I was like, shit, I actually did that years ago. 
I actually did that years ago and it just it's just kind of a reminder for me like this is the importance of being around people doing bigger things. This is the importance of me surrounding myself with smarter people. This is why I asked you guys those questions and this what cuz I want to learn from you. I want to get better. Dude, this is powerful stuff. I'm really really glad that you came here. I hope you get some clients out of this. Anybody who needs a to get a little to get a little brain get out of their own way. Give Mark just come to just come just just come check out my podcast. I don't do one on ones anymore. I I just do either speaking. I go even do one to many. Now, yeah. That's even better because I don't want to solicit for you. So that's even yeah, better. Yeah, I don't I don't I, I don't I don't I don't do one on one. Just come to my podcast. I do some mindset stuff there, and I and just just come there or just come to one of my events. And you know, I don't I don't do one on one stuff. All right, Love I think it. we're we're coming up on the end. Um, Martin, dude, how can people get a hold of you? Hey man, just like I said a moment ago, come to uh, check 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 out my Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I show the real deal on real estate. I do a lot of vlogs and show people like, dude, I had a I had a I had a lady I was evicting. She threatened she was going to kill me. We have that on video. She's crying, dude. A lady, we were doing an eviction. We show people the real deal. Just check out check out my YouTube, the Elite Strategies, or check out my podcast, um, uh, the Elite, uh, Latinos and Real Estate Investing Podcast, and follow me on Instagram. And I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the socials. Just check me out there. Connect with me there. You can DM me there. I respond to all of my, to everything there. I do have a team that does a lot of social, you know, stuff for me. And I respond to everything myself. Love it. Martin, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, brother. Thank you for, thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. It was fun for me too. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I got some good pointers from you guys. It sounds so condescending. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, 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 no, I didn't. I I don't mean it's not condescending at all. I I mean it from. I'm taking notes, man. Look at, look. I have my, I have my pad here. I'm literally taking notes. I took some notes. (laughs) Look at that, Alex. Someone thinks you're intelligent. Yeah, he's wrong. (laughs) Uh, Appreciate you guys, man. Thank you again. This is fantastic. Yeah, you're amazing. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from military to slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.